ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, 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 go. This is Sports Central. Sports Central, episode two of the relaunch. And I was thinking about it today, Adam Hogue. We get in, we get out, we entertain, we go home. That was my vision for the podcast going forward. What do you think? Get in, get out, entertain, go home. I, I like it. So far, we've had a little problems getting in, though. And getting in, maybe even getting out. And I don't know if I've been able to get home. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think we have a shot of, of getting this down. I'm not saying it's going to happen today, although I do have a great vision for today. Great to be with you. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, and I want to talk Bears with you, and i, I got a deep topic. but uh, Ooh, deep topics. Deep, deep. deep. But uh, apparently, you are uh, speeding. From Bourbon A to U.S. Cellular Field, now guaranteed rate field that once was Comiskey Park. You got there in 42 minutes, and uh, you you talked about it on Twitter, and mm. Ad, and Adam Johns alerted the Illinois State Police, and now apparently the Illinois State Police are after you, or are they, or what do you know? But I, I, I when I drove back last night down back down to Bourbon A, that's where I am this this morning as we record Sports Central. I, I was white-knuckling it right at the speed limit because I was convinced that Adam Johns had the authorities out for me. It was dark. I thought they would have multiple speed traps set up for me, <laughs> um, but I did make it back uh, safely without getting pulled over. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I'm i in the middle of a two-day stretch here where I'm doing Bears practice in the morning, White Sox-Yankees at night, so you got to go from uh, ONU, uh, Olivet Nazarene University, up I-57 to Guaranteed Rate Field, which I'd never made that specific drive before. And I, I was getting a lot of work done yesterday, so I didn't leave my hotel room until 5 p.m. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably going to take me, you know, like an hour and a half, but I'll still be there 30 minutes before first pitch. I flew. I pulled into the parking lot at Lot C, Guaranteed Rate Field. You know it well, Carm. I do, I do. At 542. That's a great job. That's a great job. There and are- so I tweeted it. I go, you can apparently drive from Bourbon A to Guaranteed Rate Field in 42 minutes. Adam Johns called me a liar on Twitter. So a lot, uh, a lot of other people did too. Yeah. And well, Andy Mazur and I did the math. It was 52 miles, 42 minutes. Well, that comes out to 80 miles per hour. So, yeah, I guess if you want to call that speeding, you're technically correct. I would say that I was still getting passed by multiple cars on I-57 at that speed. I'm all about the speed of traffic. And, look, uh, you didn't get a ticket. What uh, What's not in the books is not in the books. You you did a legal maneuver. You were a great driver. I fully support the move, and great job. But he copied the Illinois State Police on Twitter. He did. I mean, that is not a loyal... Uh, podcast partner. I expect much better from my Sports Central partner going forward. Uh, please do not sell me into the authorities. Yeah, uh, so apparently, uh, and people are writing about that response. On, I love Twitter. It's, it's really an amazing place. Uh, that It says, when your siblings, uh, one, of the, one of the tweets, when your sibling snitches on you, and and they show a car and, and running over the little guy. So my point is here. I think Adam. I think Adam Johns deserves some Adam Hogue retribution. I don't know what you have planned, but I would do something. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't have anything planned yet. I haven't had enough time to think about it. Um, but uh, there's. I mean, the great thing about this is it's going to become a 
you know, last year he in Bourbonnais didn't show up to the media basketball game uh-huh. against the Bears media relations department. Soft move. Um, he was hung over from Ireland. Oh, he my. was back from Ireland, but said he had to work. It was like 8 p.m. when this game was played. Didn't show up. Didn't tell anyone he wasn't going to be there. He's a decent basketball player, so we had, we missed him. And, uh, yeah, I still haven't gotten over that. So now this is two years in a row in Bourbonnet where he is, uh, man. What is the game this year? It's a good question because I don't know, and it uh, I don't know that it's happening because all of a sudden I'm sitting here this morning in Bourbonnet, and there are three practices left, and only one is open to the public. It's Saturday night. I, I don't think this game's getting played. That's unfortunate. I, I don't know if I mean... First of all, I, I uh, am not good at basketball anymore, which is very depressing, although I still have my moments. But I, I, I want to play. I don't know if that would constitute bringing in a, a, an, a ringer that's not a ringer because I'm not covering the Bears. Would that be legal? Could I come down if this game was scheduled? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had uh, we've had Jason Goff play before. We've had... How's the Jason Goff game? Here's the most random player that has played in the media basketball game, and it was it's Joe Cowley. No way. Yeah, feel like Joe Colley competes out there, can maybe hit a jump shot, and uh, gets a good sweat on, but but doesn't do a whole lot to impact the game. What? what how close am I? Uh, man, that was a few years ago. I think you're probably mostly right. He, he, Joe had like a, a three week stretch of covering the Bears in between when he was, um, you know, done with the White Sox beat. I forget exactly when it was, but he was down here in Bourbonnet for like three weeks. Uh-huh. And then I think he was like, I've had enough of that. Nick Friedel just showed up, huh? <laughs> yeah. So apparently it's normal for Bulls riders to just randomly show up down here. Well, he's Bourbonnet. filling in for Jeff Dickerson and, yeah. and uh, prayers up for Jeff and his family and, and uh, hope the time away uh, goes as well as it can possibly go. But that is kind of a nice sidebar that... He's all of a sudden we're seeing like Tibbs referencing tweets on the Bears from from Nick Friedel. That's a beautiful thing. Tibbs said something. No, he said. I think uh, one of Friedel's tweets yesterday was like, "I feel like I'm listening to Tibbs." Oh, talk, oh, so to... he's referencing Tibbs. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I thought yeah. <laughs> I thought like Tom Thibodeau saw one of uh, Nick Friedel's tweets about no, I, the Bears well, and had a comment. He Tom Thibodeau is not following Nick Friedel. If if Tom Thibodeau has a burner account on Twitter, he, they, that was not a. Relationship made in heaven. I don't believe. Fair enough. So, all right. Let let. I want to ask you about uh, this as far as the Bears are concerned, Adam Hogue. What What are fair expectations for 2018? Like, what should Bears fans be happy with? Because here, here's my 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 calm take on this. I feel like this town is so well trained by the Bears. And watching the Brian Urlacher speech and just like the history of the Bears and Bill, George, Dick, Buckus, Mike, Singletary, Urlacher, the greatness of the Bears, but like that everybody would be satisfied. If this team went seven and nine, that'd be an incredible year. We should all be like jacked. All right. They had a seven and nine season when like it's the NFL. Crazy things can happen. Nobody thought the Philadelphia Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl last year. Carson Wentz in his second season. Mitch Trubisky's in his second season. Why, why can't we dream this a little bit bigger? I think you have a great point. You know, Rick Marcy wrote a column in the Sun Times the other day, uh, which. I think most people probably looked at him and was like, oh, Mr. Negative spoiling the Brian Urlacher party because the the point was uh, 
by the way, shout out to Ben Schmidt, the uh, outstanding Bears intern, Carm, who this morning has not only got me into the room I need to get in, but just brought me coffee. Ben, 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 Ben. Thanks, Ben. Um, Anyway, yeah, Rick Morrissey's column the other day was, you know, basically along the lines of, it's time to stop looking into the past here and start looking towards the future, right? I mean, now, this was a different deal. I mean, Brian Erlacher, Hall of Fame, you don't just, like, not root for Brian Erlacher in the Hall of Fame because you're frustrated with the current state of the Bears. But I thought it was a good point. Like, all right, the weekend's over. Focus on 2018 now going forward and stop living in the past because, uh, you know, the year four of a rebuild here in the NFL – that's kind of like year eight, right? This in not, baseball, this ain't baseball. <laughs> this is football. These things turn around quicker than you know. Come on, this is not the ten-year plan to, to get to nine and seven. So I think, uh, look, I think the minimum expectation for the Bears this year—that's fair—is when they go to New York the first weekend in December. Uh-huh. They play the Giants. That game should still matter. Okay, Th- they should still be in the hunt for. I, if not the NFC North title, but you know at least in the wild card, you know somewhere around where all right, this is this is a game that matters. It's December and they're playing somewhat meaningful football, which sounds like still too low of an expectation in a way. But considering where this team has been, and and there are times in, in the NFL Carm where you know these rebuilds do take longer than normal. Just because teams go from last to first every single year in the league does not mean that you can just flip the switch overnight. This was a roster that needed to be completely torn down and built back up. The good news is, and I and I think it's been verified from these practices I've watched out here in Bourbonnais, it's getting built up, and there is a lot of young, exciting talent that uh, didn't even play last week in the in the Hall of Fame game. You saw some of it with like a guy like Javon Wims, Isaiah Irving, uh, but I think Cincinnati on Thursday night, we'll see even more of that. Hopefully Anthony Miller gets out there. That dude has looked really, really good. So there's some young talent coming up here, and I do think the Bears are in position here, Carm, where, you know, 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, it's not crazy. Okay, it's in... I I think it's a fair well fair would be maybe a little bit uh, unfair but I I think it's like at least I'd like to think that Bears fans expectation would be make the playoffs we're not going to celebrate seven and nine we're not gonna, I don't like the narrative coming out of this shouldn't be like well you know and by the way I'm watching a video of, of you standing there talking to uh, Matt Nagy right now as I I pull up the Bears schedule there's Hogan a great light blue polo shirt with a good lanyard chris mm-hmm. emma's to your right it's just a, a, a that just made my morning honestly i i all i'm saying is like look we, we've been we they you've got your quarterback they had a very aggressive offseason whatever's going on with rokon smith is not good but you you got you know you had a high draft pick you've you've got all you, the coaching staff is is in place here i know they're new but uh it's not like they're new to the game of football so I, I'm I'm amping up what I'm expecting here, Hogue. I, that's that's I guess what I'm getting to. Yeah, no, I think and I and I think that's what you should be doing. Like I said, I think the minimum expectation is meaningful football in December. I think on the high end 
a playoff berth is not terribly crazy because it is the NFL. And every year we can identify teams, especially teams that have good defenses already that are maybe building up on the offensive end. Take a look at the Rams last year, the jump that they made. Take a look at the Eagles, the jump that they've made over the last couple years. You establish the defense first. You bring in the offensive pieces. uh, And especially when you have a young quarterback that's there in year two and ready to make that jump with an offensive head coach, that's a formula that is proven in the NFL to work. And that's where the Bears are now. That doesn't mean it's all going to come together, but that is an indication that, hey, that that is uh, something that could theoretically happen here on the top end. I don't know that they'll make quite the jump that the Rams did. Uh, I don't think they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl like the Eagles last year, but you know, there, there's uh, there's some exciting things. And, by, and, and you brought up the Roquan Smith thing. I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, other than that, this has been a boring camp. Which I think is a good thing. I mean, there's not, there hasn't been a whole lot of drama. I love, I love that Nagy got out there yesterday along with Dave Rago and started winging footballs around and beating his cornerbacks. That was pretty fun to watch. I gotta say, um, you know, it, it that was a fun thing to do. The players were into it. The fans were into it. And you know, I'm setting the depth chart, and I'm going. You know, it's got to go Nagy number one and uh, <laughs> and Dave Rago number two. I like the footwork from Dave, but uh, Nagy has the bigger arm. I mean, you could tell his, his lower half, the mechanics were off. He's probably rusty. It's been about a decade since he played the position. But uh, he, has a, he has a good arm. He was bombing him into the end zone. That's awesome. That, that, that's a guy that just shows that it, he's getting that he could be a little mutuality with the players here. I mean, he's still the coach, but let's get in there and have some fun. I, I, I give credit. I saw a little quote from Charles London in the Tribune on Jordan Howard, on how they're helping him catch the football. They started with tennis balls. Mm-hmm. How awesome is that? Get, get some tennis in there, Hogue. That, that makes me feel good, too. I, I, yeah, I had a feeling you'd like that. I mean, can we get I, – I feel like if you can catch tennis balls, you can catch footballs. So Jordan Howard, he's working hard, right? Two, two to 300 extra balls a day. Somehow that guy's going to become a complete back this year, I got a feeling. Look, I, I love the uh, – you know, I love the efforts. It's not like he's not trying. Uh, I'll give him 100% on that. I mean, he is trying to fix that part of his game. Sounds like you don't buy it. Here's the problem. This was the same thing last year. Now, he's probably trying different techniques, but last year Adam Johns had the story about how he got LASIK surgery in his eyes and he was going to see better and he could catch the ball better and he was working on it. And and then the, the week one happened and he dropped a touchdown to win the game against the Atlanta Falcons. So, look, it's great. I'm not even going to really, you know, maybe if he catches some balls in the preseason, great. I want to see it happen during the regular season because it's, to me, it's more of a mental block than, I mean, look, it's kind of like John Lester not being able to throw to first base. You're in the NFL. You should be able to catch a football. Like, I don't care if you're a defensive lineman. You should be able to catch a football. It is hard to believe when you put it like that. Yes, you've been playing this game since you were four. Or six or something. How do, how can you not catch? Yeah, it's now I I realize it's different when you're coming out of the backfield. And you got linebackers running at you, and not it's that not, different. But the ones he's been dropping are wide open. Yeah, I, it's there's it sounds well. So I love the effort. I hope it's fixed. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna you know declare here on August seventh here as we record that the issue is gone. I want to see it in the regular season because I think this is more of a mental issue than a physical issue. 
I, I got a couple others I just want to throw out at you here as, before we move on from Bears. Uh, everyone's loving Anthony Miller, but then I'm, I'm reading that Mike Fury, who's the Bears wide receivers coach, is saying that he's just playing playground football and doesn't really know where he needs to be. And they're like trying to coach him up to you know follow whatever system they're putting in here, which apparently is a tr- tremendous system with a lot of options and variables, and they got more talent and all that. But I- I've also heard like Joe Madden talk about you don't want to teach, you don't want to coach like the instincts out of the player. I'm throwing out a concern here, Hogue. I'm worried that they're messing with Anthony Miller. I don't care if he's playing playground football. Go out there and catch the football. That, like, that's good, good enough for me. We don't have. A, we need a wide receiver who can play some playground football as far as I'm concerned. Am I wrong? Well, one thing I've noticed about this coaching staff early on is that they don't want players to get complacent, and that's important. So the, the thing is, is Anthony Miller, I don't know, has had a bad day yet. Actually, yesterday there was twice where he caught the ball and got stripped by the DB, and I was like, eh, that's kind of the worst practice he's had so far, and he made like three other outstanding catches too. So you, you just don't want him to become complacent and feel like everything's perfect. He hasn't even played a game yet because he wasn't in that first preseason game. So I think that's probably just his coach, you know, right. kind of, yeah, hold on here. And, and, and by the way, when I talked to Miller – um, it might have been a couple weeks ago now at this point, but when I talked to him on his own, he brought. I asked him, what are you focusing on the most? And he said, it's all the stuff off the field. It's making sure he knows the playbook, know where he's supposed to be lining up, um, because he's like, if I don't know that stuff, then I'm not going to be playing. You, you know, you have to know where to go, and we've seen many receivers, like Devin Hester for one, who might end up going to the Hall of Fame, could never really figure that part out. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey was always lining up wrong and having false starts. I mean, so even good receivers can have those issues. Anthony Miller, I think, is uh, you know on track. He he's I don't know. They, some rookies just give you the vibe that they they belong and they know what they're doing and they're going to be good. And I think Anthony Miller uh, early on here it certainly looks like one of those guys. What's going on with Kevin White? Apparently, he's uh, his own biggest critic. Yeah, here's my problem with Kevin, the Kevin White situation, because he has now had, uh, I believe, four different position coaches in four years. Okay, um, sounds right. And <laughs> they all have said the same stuff. I mean, every single position coach he's had, the conversation here at Bourbonnet, and it's not like they're criticizing him. But there, it's always yeah. It's a, the the confidence word comes up. Well, see, always but, with him. But when you know, whenever he presents himself to the media, he acts like this super confident guy. And that's what I see, at least. Uh, no, I, you know, he, he's 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 just in his like Kevin White bunker, and there's nobody that can touch him. But then the reality of it apparently is is that he's incredibly hard on himself, and he's and you can see the way he plays on the field is he's always trying to like sort of do more, and he's not just satisfied with uh, making a play, which has led him to get hurt, which is harsh to criticize him for that, but there's like a, there's like, it's like he's not trusting that he's just done enough by catching the football and, and, and you know, gotten a first down. Am I, am I nuts here? No, I mean, he, there, it's, that's the problem. Like, I, I think he's gotten upset with the media because, you know, that B word has been thrown out there multiple times about him being a bust and the conversation always seems to be about his confidence, but I think that part of it's fair. He does; it's not a lack of trying or effort. I mean, the guy works his butt off. 
Um, by all accounts, he's a smart player. But when you've been doing this for four years and you still haven't really made a huge play, you haven't made your mark on the NFL, even if it's because of injuries and lack of opportunity, I don't I don't know how you can go out there on the field confident every single time. It's like what I just said with Anthony Miller. Like, this dude stepped on the field day one with that confidence and looks like he belongs. Well, Kevin White has never really, despite being a massive wide receiver with great speed and athleticism, he's he's never really been out there and been able to show off like he's a superstar. And at some point now in year four, you can't blame him if there's doubts in his head that, that that's ever going to happen. So I, it's just the same thing. And, and he, what I just described with Anthony Miller, just going out there and playing, and you brought up the instincts and just doing it. With Kevin White, it seems so much more complicated. It just it seems like he's always like he's thinking about too much. It, actually, it's exactly what you just said. Like you were worried about the Bears, like giving worried about too much with Anthony Miller instead of just letting him go play. That's what Kevin White seems to be doing on every single rep. Like he's too worried about the details. He's too worried about being in the exact same spot. He's too worried about being perfect, and it's preventing him from breaking out of his shell and just going and playing football. So it's not a criticism of him because it's. That's how you're supposed to play. I mean, he wants to be perfect. It's all with good intentions. Unfortunately, the results just continue to not be there. I can't wait to see him get out there on the pre in the preseason and actually see what he can do. But uh, it just seems like the same storyline again. I don't want this to sound harsh because it's not meant to be at all. I'm pro mental skills coach. We need a mental skills coach here then for what you just laid out. And uh, he should be spending some solid time working on that side of it, I, which is if, if there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a great move by him if he would do something like that because I don't think that I think everybody thinks he has the talent. Now, whether he, the body is going to hold up. That's a whole other story, but I. But you look at him like you should be able to have some level of success in the NFL with what your, what what God has gifted you and yeah. what you've worked yourself into. All right, let's uh, let's move along here um, fr- from the bear to uh, a, a couple of things that have happened recently. Number one, Sunday's Cub game. Anthony Rizzo called out on a pitch that's uh, a good five, six, seven inches outside. He freaks out follows Angel Hernandez all around Wrigley Field before he finally (laughs) leaves the field himself, and then he wants an apology. Angel Hernandez didn't even hear about the apology, but that he wanted it, but he was asked about the pitch, and he said, yes, I missed it, and that Anthony Rizzo is a good guy. Uh, Should we have a penalty for Angel Hernandez? I don't think we should. Your thoughts, Adam Hogue? Like a suspension or something? I don't know. I mean, when umps are bad, like... C.B. Buckner's been umping in Major League Baseball for 20-plus years. The guy's horrendous. He call, and, and I don't understand. Like, Look, if you're this bad, you, should, you are suspended for two weeks for that ridiculous call and that ridiculous call all in one game. He missed a play at first base the other day where the guy, he called him out. The guy was safe by like a full step. You're a Major League Baseball umpire. Little League guys are going to get that right. There's no way that should happen. Oh, he was in bad position. Well, that's part of your job. Man, how yeah. many times have you? How many times have you gotten in position to call it? You know, make a fair or out, safer out call at first base. So I, I mean, a guy like that, I do think like if you've had like so many bad calls, there should be a suspension. But in this particular case, I don't know. Angel, and Angels had his issues too. I, I think that'd be a little bit too much. CB Buckner though, suspend that guy. 
Yeah, I look. I don't know that. Here, here's the issue: like they, they don't want to publicly shame these officials, because you know they have a hard enough job, and and they're always they're never popular. You know, everyone wants to just whether whatever sport it is, the referees, the umpires, whoever it is, they get the, all the criticism. But it doesn't have to be public. Nobody needs to know that he's suspended. No one's going to miss him, right? Well, I do, but what yeah, but I do agree with you that there needs to be more accountability because it, it, you do wonder how guys like that have been, I mean, Angel Hernandez has been around for a long time and he's pretty widely regarded as one of the worst umpires in the league. Yep. And and so no one's really surprised when that happens the other day with Anthony Rizzo. So uh, it seemed like Jeff Triplett just retired in the NFL, and it's like that dude, that dude should have retired five years ago. And it was actually embarrassing that he got a playoff game last year, and uh, and I'm pretty sure he got the playoff game because they knew he was retiring and they wanted to send him off with one. That's not a reason to give him a playoff game. It's the playoffs, right? You need your best officials out there. So, there. I think in general in sports, there's not necessarily enough accountability for the umpires and the referees. It's a it's a tough thing because you want to insulate them against drastic um, craziness from fans. Because I don't know if you notice in other countries, some of these soccer referees like they're getting beaten. They're getting sometimes murdered. I mean, it gets it gets to a completely uh, you know stupid level when we're talking about sports. So there's got to be some levity there. However, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Some of these umpires have been around for way too long for me for how often they seem to be in the middle of controversy. I mean, I'm not advocating that they need to meet the media after every game and have some level of accountability that way. But like when a guy is this bad for this long, it's like okay, enough with the brotherhood. Let's let's move along. Which, by the way, you bringing up what what goes on in Europe as far as soccer made me think about my dream last night, Adam Hogue. Okay, I was sitting at a we were I was sitting at a table eating dinner. Uh, and to my left was railroad tracks, and to my right across the river was railroad tracks, and there's this big river running through. At the table was Harry Tynowitz and Dan McNeil, uh, who I've, I've I've never had a meal with Dan McNeil in my life. There was like a it was like a makeshift radio station that was all put together by Jimmy DeCastro. Something like this was going on. Wait, and where was this? I, I this was in, this was in my dream last. Oh, night. this was in a dream. Yeah, okay. no, 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 none of this, none of this happened. And then all of a sudden, they lifted all of us. up up into like this sort of like hovering raft and the KKK was there. And <laughs> yes, and I thought that I literally thought that I was about to like get in some I was going to get shot and killed and they were going to figure out that like the oh, that kid, that guy's Jewish, look at him. And I was and I was going down to the KKK with Dan McNeil, Harry Tynowitz and, and like some makeshift radio station with railroad tracks around me in a river. So if you'd like to figure if you want to, you know, break into what actually is going on in my head, feel free. But that that was my dream last night. And why I thought of that when you brought up European soccer and their, and the, and their referees is a whole other thing. Uh, There's a lot that just happened there, Carm. Yeah, hi. How I don't you? know how... I don't know how to break that one down. No, I mean it was, and, and and I woke up and I was like, I was in a full sweat. It was five thirty in the morning. I'm like, oh, I got to get up. I'm meeting Hogue for a podcast. <laughs> like, thank God that wasn't that wasn't legit. Like, I, you know, those moments when you have a terrible dream. Yeah, and you're, and you're, and you're very, later, you're very ha- happy that you uh, have woken up, and it's probably the happiest that you've ever been. Right. No, know, knowing that you had to talk to me. You're so pretty much yes, yeah. so so great. 
grateful. That also reminds me of those mornings. Never mind. I won't, I won't go there. When you wake up from a dream and you're disappointed that that didn't actually happen, uh, I'll let you <laughs> <laughs> create your own uh, reality of what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, so let's let's move on real fast. Urban Meyer had a rally. There was a hundred lunatics who, who showed yeah. out outside the shoe to rally for Urban. Were you there? No, I was not there. <laughs> also, Urban didn't have the rally. Oh, right. Urban did. The, the my bad. crazy people at Ohio State had a rally they to had, support. They had a rally for Urban. Thank you for... Yes. Here, here's just some uh, some advice to uh, really any... No... Talking about crazy fans like we just were a second ago. By definition, fans are, are crazy. That's part of the fun. But college especially college football, just takes it to a whole different, like, cult level, okay? Yes. And I get it. You love your team and you love your coach, but really what you love more than anything is winning football games, okay? So these rallies that you have for Joe Paterno and Urban Meyer showing your support for them, Claiming they did nothing wrong. They just, they're not as good of an idea as you think they are. When when you're doing it, you think it's a great idea. You're inside your Ohio State Buckeye bubble. And everyone around you, you're in that bubble, is with you, right? So you feel like you're leading a charge and you're, you're all, and then, but you don't realize that outside this bubble that you're in, you look dumb. And it's a bad idea. <laughs> So stop doing this, college football fans, because it is just just take it. It's like it's like when you're on Twitter and you're like, should I tweet this or should I not? If you're ever in that moment, delete the tweet. Don't send it. If you're ever in this moment where you want to go rally for a coach who's under investigation for you know potentially uh, supporting a guy who's committing domestic violence against his wife instead of doing the right thing. Uh, why don't you just take a couple weeks off? It's it's only training camp right now. Evaluate the situation. Let the facts come out before you go marching in, down the streets of Columbus, trying to uh, you know rile up your support. And there there weren't a ton of them, but they were out there. Have you ever been to Ohio State on game day? Have you ever been to the Skull Session? Uh, I don't. What's I don't know the Skulls. I've been there multiple times. So but. the the Skull Session takes place in their old basketball arena, which is also used for a million different things, volleyball, whatnot. And the whole band comes in there, and these people, God bless them, on some level, they show up for you know if it's a two o'clock game, they're there at ten o'clock in the morning. They sell peanuts and popcorn, pretzels, the whole thing. The band comes in there and they play. And the, everybody's dressed up in, in the in the school colors, and then the team walks into the building for like a pregame pep rally for all of five minutes. The place goes bananas, and then they're they're all dressed up in their suits and whatnot, not in actual uniform. Mm-hmm. And then they proceed to the shoe. It was the creepiest thing I've ever been a part of. Adam, you're talking about cults and and whatnot with college football. That thing is beyond bizarre. Because it, 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 it starts to like feel like a religion, right? It, instead it, of a football game. I mean, it's the the just the colors and the band and the power and everything they're trying to set up. It it's like 
oh my god, you guys are about to play a football game. I I get it. It's a it's a big deal. It's it's great. But come on, there's it just it's it was it's, it was too much. I couldn't take it. My uh, my favorite my favorite thing about uh, Columbus when we were there a couple of years ago, when Northwestern played there. It was the same day as Game Four of the World Series between the Cubs and Indians. Okay, so a lot of Indians fans there, right? So you got the Buckeyes and the Indians, and I'm walking around the sidelines with the WGN Mike flag, and this guy in the front row <laughs> was on me the whole game. Every time I went back and forth down the sidelines, he's talking smack to me about the Cubs, not about Northwestern, about the Cubs. And I finally, in the I, usually I wouldn't respond, but I finally said to him, I go. Hey man, I'm a White Sox fan, and we don't have the Cubs anymore on WGN. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Did he stop? Or did yeah, he, he did. Yeah, no, he stopped. It was like probably the third quarter by then because he'd been <laughs> on me the whole game every time I walked by. Uh, so I finally just said to him, and he just like kind of smiled at me, and then they, and he stopped for the rest of the game. <laughs> that's awesome. What was the what was that Washington Wizard at the time? It was the Bullets Robin Ficker? You had like Ficker. Do you know what I'm talking about? He said, uh, he said no. well, he, he, the guy sat in like the second row behind the visitors' bench, and he would scream at the players the whole game. You were like, you were fickered uh, <laughs> at a wildcat Buckeye game. I That's just love that he wasn't on the players. He wasn't on, you know, whatever. He, he was said, on the sideline reporter, and not even about the game that was going on in front of him. Just about the Cubs. Dude flat out hated the Cubs, and he <laughs> was taking it out on you. Hey, yeah. uh, let, let's wrap up here with. Uh, Sean Weiss, if you don't know that name, you might know the name Goldberg uh, from the Mighty Ducks. He was the goalie, and now uh, it's actually kind of a sad story. The dude is having some massive issues with substance abuse, and he just got arrested for public intoxication, and he does not look like Goldberg anymore. Is this emotional for you, Adam? Because I feel like you you growing up as a kid, you were more in the Mighty Ducks realm than I was, so perhaps this like actually resonates with oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I love the Mighty Ducks. I mean, they were my hockey team growing up. Emilio Estevez was my coach. Right, right. And Goldberg was my goalie. Go- and and this story comes out yesterday, this TMZ story. And this, I'm like, that that is not him. The mugshot, the mugshot is not him. It can't be. It doesn't look like him at all. No, it it looks like I can't even see like the eyes. They don't look the same. He is a completely different person. He is he has got some I mean I I read stuff about it that or or like his histories. He's had some meth issues going on. I mean, you're you're talking about a troubled dude. But what and I don't a lot of people that get that whole, you know, child actor thing, it doesn't turn out particularly well. But uh so it's a sad story, but oh my god, Goldberg, you look terrible. The other thing is, I got it. I, if you had asked me what his name was until the story came out yesterday, I couldn't have been able to tell you. He's Goldberg. Yeah, no, I didn't know it either. Sean Weiss, that's the man. Sean with an A U N. Great for people who don't know, like the Goldberg moment in time when he gets strapped to the actual goal and. Uh, 17 guys fire hockey pucks at him so he learns that he can have the confidence to take it off him. That's That was a great moment. and It was a great lesson there, Adam Hogan, the Mighty Ducks, even in the comedy right there. Yeah, it was. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that lesson went with him the rest of his life. Yeah, no, did not work out. Oh. It's not working out for Goldberg. But honestly... 
prayers to him, man, because he is. That's yeah. that's actually it's actually a really sad situation. Yeah, he's he's well. Hopefully, he'll get himself some help. Uh, Goldberg slash Weiss, you get yourself some help. You're in control, man. You can do this. Uh, we're rooting for you. Okay, so, anyway. That mugshot's just incredible. Oh, he looks terrible. It doesn't look. Am I wrong? Like it looks like a completely different person. Yeah, he looks like a. I won't say it. Never mind. I was gonna say something that would be rude to some of the people that work. Hit that delete button. <laughs> Great to be with you, Adam Hogue. Episode two in the books, pal. You too, buddy. We will. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you sooner than later. And uh, Sports Central, the podcast is back. My name is Mark Carmen. Your name is Adam Hogue. We are WGN. We uh, we love talking to you. So thanks for checking us out.